0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa.
1: Yep, that would be us on Tuesday, September 12th, 2023. Like I really needed to give the actual year. Uh, hey, Lars. Hey, Justin. How you guys doing today?
2: I'm doing great. Doing great. Uh got a good night of rest and ready to carpe diem. Huh?
1: Hey, what about the Jets last night? And most notably, Aaron Rodgers is gone. Also, there's a great story, in my opinion, it's my opinion, on former Alabama defensive back George Teague. And we'll jump all over those topics as we lead up to the weekend full of college football games with a reminder, Lars. Friday afternoon, noon to two, we will be at Ennis Free. So come by and grab a burger and some fries and a cold beverage and join us. But, you know, I I love the NFL. I follow the NFL. Lars immerses himself in the National Football League. And I watched a lot of last night's game. And I I will say this, Lars, I, I really love watching the Mannings. But let's just talk football. What's the latest on Aaron Rodgers? He went down, was it the fourth play from scrimmage?
2: fourth place from scrimmage and it's a, a complete tear slash rupture of uh, his achilles tendon and he's out for the year um really you know aaron Rodgers going to the jets was the number one storyline in the entire league heading into the season and for it to be over in an eye blink is just uh, staggering you know that the night began with so much emotion in New York. Uh, I mean, it's it's nine eleven, and and just across the Hudson River uh, from uh, MetLife Stadium, which is in New Jersey, but just across the Hudson River, you had this really uh, powerful scene of the of the twin beams of light going up from where the towers once stood. And they were very much illuminated because of the clouds and the storm that had rolled through the area a couple hours earlier. And it was just so powerful. And then you have Aaron Rodgers running out onto the field, carrying the American flag, and and the the stadium is just uh, raising a roar that you hadn't heard at that stadium for a long, long time. And the Jets fully believed and, and, you know, league insiders believed that they had a legitimate chance to win the Super Bowl. Something they haven't done since Super Bowl three. And, and Alabama's Joe Namath uh, led them to perhaps the most memorable victory in uh, NFL history. And, and then I, I, I go back to 1999 when the quarterback was Vinny Testaverde. And on September 11th, I think it was, I believe it was 1999, um, first game at home. The Jets had just played in the AFC Championship game the year before. They really feel like this is their year. And Vinny Testaverdi tore his Achilles uh, after he handed off the ball and the ball fumbled. And he just made a regular movement and he crumpled to the ground. And right away, he was just writhing in pain. And so with Aaron Rodgers, uh, fourth play of the game, uh, he drops back to pass and he's trying to, uh, he's in he's in shotgun. And he, it's basically like you get the ball in about a two-step, two steps backwards. And once that back foot hits, he wants to throw it uh, on, on a quick route. And what both tackles were trying to do were uh, chop block uh, the defensive ends uh, so that, uh, that, uh, that, that they would go down and it would give Aaron lanes to throw over, lanes to throw through. But, uh, his first read wasn't there. He, the, the, his receiver was covered and this allowed the right defensive end for the Bills uh, a free shot basically at Aaron. And he kind of spins away and, 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 the, and, but the, uh, the, the DN is able to uh, kind of twist him and, and throw him to the ground. And you really couldn't see it at the time, but, um, in, uh, once it was slowed down and the cameras zoomed in, you literally could see his Achilles pop. And what you see, it's, uh, you, you see his, uh, calf muscle, um, kind of shiver. And that is a telltale sign that that Achilles had just popped and it basically what it does is, and I've, I've experienced this, it rolls up your leg and that causes the calf muscle to reverberate. And so, I mean, it, it was clear to me once I saw that, like, he's done. Like, that's, that, that's a, that's a ruptured Achilles tendon. Um, and, uh, and I was surprised that he was able to stand back up because, um, you know, when, when I ruptured mine, I was playing pickup basketball in New York and I was just making a regular movement going for a rebound. It's like the only time in my life I ever went for a rebound. <laughs> I'm a perimeter player, but just a regular movement and. I heard in my mind a, a, um, like a, just a reverberation in, in, that it sounded like a, a gun going off. And what I thought was, um, a, a friend of mine behind me who played a point guard at, at Princeton, um, I thought he had thrown a ball and hit me in the back of the leg. We were actually playing a, a game of knockout. I don't know if you know how to, that, what that game is, Matt, but we're playing a game of knockout and and i went down and right away i knew something was profoundly wrong and there was no way i was going to be able to get up i mean it was all i could do to like not 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 be you know not have tears flowing from my eyes and i was in so much pain and um and so for Aaron just to get up and so when he, when he got up i thought okay this is maybe just like a, a sprained ankle Uh, but then he fell, then he he just, he just went back down on the ground and, and, and once I saw the replay once everybody saw the replay, you knew that this was perhaps going to be a devastating, even career ending injury. And, um, and just, you know, I, 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 what I went through was, um, you, uh, I, 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 I immediately went to the emergency room. You know, they told me what I already knew, uh, in New York, and luckily I was able to get out to LaGuardia, um, in massive pain, but they gave me painkillers, uh, got somebody, to get me in a wheelchair, got on the last flight out, uh, able to get back to Birmingham, uh, right away. I called my friends at the, uh, at Andrews Sports Medicine, went and saw, um, Dr. Uh, Norman Waldrop, uh, the next morning, he, he's a, he's one of the Alabama team doctors, and, um, you know, uh, I already knew he was, he was, uh, a torn, but, uh, he ended up, uh, you know, he, 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 wrapped it up, had surgery, um, about, uh, uh, about, about twenty, about, about 48 hours later, uh, I was having surgery. And surgery it didn't last long, but you know, they put you out, but then you are essentially, um, you're essentially just, uh, um, you're immobilized for a month, right? You can't put any weight on it. Uh, so you're using crutches. You're in kind of a, what's a, like a soft cast and, uh, and then, once you get that cast off, of three to four weeks later, you start doing rehab, and I tell you, it, it, it's like I had to learn basically how to walk again. I could not believe, Matt, the amount of um, atrophy that my calf muscle experienced. Like it was, it was like gone, and uh, and you know, I, I was on crutches for. A good uh, another month, so two months total, and you know, just just uh, just going very slowly. So, is his
1: career over?
2: Uh, I think it is. I think you know it the is. way
1: he jumped off the cart when he was down underneath the stadium in the tunnel. I didn't think it was that bad. It just you know he literally kind of hopped off the cart and tells me he's got
2: because the- he's, he's got a high threshold for pain. Yeah. Uh, or they
1: administered but, something immediately. Uh, do they do that? I would think so if you're that big Probably.
2: A yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, they must have given him a, a painkiller shot or something to, uh, to, to numb it. Because that's not, it's so easy to diagnose. I mean, my, again, my friend who I was playing ball with from Princeton, uh, he just felt it right away and he's like, oh, your Achilles is gone. You know, and, uh, so they, they knew immediately. That it was a torn Achilles. And so they were able to get him in a boot. I'm sure, yeah, they gave him, uh, painkillers and it's sad. Um, it's sad for it to end like this. I mean, he'll get the best possible care and, and he'll be able to, you know, spend all day, every day rehabbing. And so he could be back within by the, he could be back by the spring, at least like throwing a little bit. Um, and he, he certainly could be ready to go. He, I would expect him to be ready to go by, um, by, by the beginning of next year, by September of 24. But does he want to do that? Because he does.
1: I don't think he wants to go out like this, uh, especially with the big deal he got, the way he was welcomed to New York. Uh, I think he will bust his rump to get back and at least kind of go out. On his own terms. Anyway, uh, in a a pretty sloppy game, uh, Jets ended up winning in overtime. It was a really good start to Monday Night Football. And guess what, Lars? I got to watch in my den in the comfort of my own spectrum Disney agreement.
2: I know. That was great. (laughs) We'll,
1: We'll get into that a little bit more. Alabama's George Teague is my hero. He always has been. We'll talk about that and more on the other side of the break. As you listen, oh actually, Nick Kelly, Tuscaloosa News. Don't get too far ahead of yourself, man. Nick, who is a beat writer and a darn spanking good one, uh, he'll be with us on the other side of this break as you listen to big news for us.
2: process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker... at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Tide
0: 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A partly sunny sky this afternoon, the chance of a few scattered showers through the evening hours. The high today, 90. Tonight's low, 68. Tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine. Scattered showers are possible during the day. The high at 85. I'm James Pam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 90 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From
3: T-Town to the
0: Plains,
3: this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: As you just heard from James' fan, it is 90 degrees, but I guess August was just such a kiln that... uh, 90 feels like 70 now. Uh, it's it's very comfortable. I also do understand there's lower humidity. But who knows more about the weather than Nick Kelly? Okay, just joking. Uh, Nick is uh, the Alabama beat writer from Tuscaloosa News. Outstanding resume. Uh, let's see. USA Today. worked at uh, uh, Boston Globe, Tampa Times, uh, Minneapolis Star. How'd you end up in Tuscaloosa, Nick?
4: <laughs> it's not where I expected to end up. I'm from Minnesota, so when you talk about weather, uh, <laughs> we know cold weather—that's for sure. Um, so the, the August heat got to me this year. I, I was—I was struggling, but like you said, it's all relative. So now 90 feels great. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of a serendipity to an extent, and I just feel blessed that I ended up here in Tuscaloosa a few years ago, and have uh, really enjoyed covering Alabama football and men's basketball.
2: Nick, I feel your pain. Uh I went to St. Olaf College, uh you know, 20 about 45 minutes south of the Twin Cities and once I was done there, I vowed never to return to Minnesota in the winter because it was just it was just too too much for me. Um but uh w- w- what what made the job so attractive to come to the Tuscaloosa News was it covering Nick Saban and and, and the Alabama program? Was it just the the opportunity to, um, you know, uh, be alongside uh, the, the the late great Cecil Hurt for a year before he tragically passed away?
4: Yeah, I think the chance to come and serve just fans and a readership that you know are passionate are dedicated. Uh, want to read what you're going to be putting out is, is a big draw. I mean, I also love football. I uh, always have, and so the chance to come to a place like Tuscaloosa, I mean, to me, it's a lot like a, a Green Bay, Wisconsin in terms of more of my neck of the woods of just a super passionate football community. And obviously, you know, that's professional. This is college. But um, but just the, the general just interest and excitement. Like, everyone wants to talk about it. I mean, I, I remember I was at Thanksgiving with my uh, fiance's family, and there's an older relative uh in her 90s that uh can't see well can't hear well but she wanted to talk about how bad the officiating was in the Tennessee game from weeks before and that, that to me is just such a fun environment to be in where everyone cares about what you're writing about what you're covering uh and so I really do enjoy being in a place like that and and, and I didn't necessarily know that completely going in but I had a pretty good idea it was going to be like that it's, it's exceeded my expectations
1: do you uh, – give me your read on Nick Saban. I mean, you see the guy virtually every day, but he seemed kind of subdued after the Texas loss. So there was no pounding on the podium. Um, nobody asked the dumb question in his opinion. How do you read his reaction both Saturday night and then yesterday?
4: See, that's the thing. He doesn't get that fired up usually after a loss. I mean, that's pretty textbook for him. You can pretty much know what mood he's going to be in based on what happens because he's just done this for so long. So when when Alabama loses, which doesn't happen very often, when it happens, I mean, he's probably more just calm and matter-of-fact and, you know, I need to be better, so to speak, uh, than he is in any other moment. Um, So really, I mean, if there's a chance that you're not going to get – drives ire for a question it's most likely after a loss because he usually does not get fired up uh, in that setting and so this to me is not too out of the norm for him uh for a scenario like this you get more of the fired up saving when it's a uh, a win that's a comfortable win that he might be riding a little too high confidence wide so, so this is not out of character from what i understand about nick saban
2: Nick, uh, of all the things we saw transpire at Brian Denny on Saturday night, what was the most surprising to you?
4: I mean, the offensive line just keeps I, – I keep thinking that it's going to be a really good group. Maybe it's because I, I bought the Kool-Aid that they were selling uh, early on. And also, I mean, just, but frankly, on paper, too, it's not like this is a group a bunch of three stars. I mean, you've got guys who – uh, just our elite prospects, and J.C. Latham, Tyler Booker, I mean, some really talented guys. Caden Broctor is a five-star guy out of Iowa, one of the top prospects in this past class. Uh, and obviously everyone's talked about their size and the strength that they have, and, and I think everyone has been eager for them to get back to that good old joyless murder ball. Um, but it's going to take some time if it's going to happen. And, and I'm not writing them off just yet uh, because it does take time for a group like that to gel, especially in pass pro and communication that, that takes. Uh but there's some really concerning things with guys just getting beat one on one, footwork wasn't good and and so I, I didn't necessarily think this is gonna be the best offensive line in college football, but for it to be such in a different spot than we maybe expected or thought it was gonna be, that I just think is surprising to me overall. And and also and we've talked about plenty of this and we're written about plenty of it, but pass rush too. I mean it just disappeared. I thought that Texas offensive line to me didn't stand out as that good coming into it. But Alabama's pass rush got barely anything going. I think they had six total pressures in the game, whereas Texas had at 27. And so Alabama's pass rush with, with guys like Chris Brazel, Dallas Turner, I mean, just, it just wasn't there most of the time. And granted, yeah, Will Anderson's gone, so we didn't think that uh, they still had Will Anderson, but you've got to be able to do more than that against an offensive line that I didn't think was necessarily that good, and yet they held up just fine against Alabama.
1: Is the uh, leash with Jalen Melrose shorter, if at all, going into South Florida?
4: Probably. I mean, the fact that Nick Saban said he did consider playing multiple quarterbacks indicates that, yes, it is. Uh, now, it, it's kind of interesting the situation in that if they had someone else, does he get sacked more? Does he deal with more pressure? Um, I don't know. So I don't know if necessarily Tyler Buckner's, hey, you need to give him a shot now. But, yeah, to me, the leash, the leash has to be shorter because Nick Saban is stressed continually, or continuously, just basically, hey, you have to have a guy who plays winning football. So if, if he's turning the ball over, it doesn't matter the exciting plays he can make. If he's turning the ball over and he's making those awful throws he did on those interceptions, you can't have that guy in the game playing for you. And so the leash, to answer your question, I think is shorter.
2: And... Um... <laughs> What about the the fact that Quinn Ewers just lit up the Alabama secondary? And, and I thought the Alabama secondary was going to be just absolutely at an elite level. As you have sort of done analysis of, of, of what went down on Saturday night, what, what are your conclusions about what happened?
4: Well, a few things. One, that Texas receiving core and passing game is legit. I mean, some of the receivers that Texas has – i don't think alabama's gonna see as good of receivers or certainly not better um most of the season in my opinion uh mitchell is one guy who just his size and speed and athleticism uh i mean that's a tough matchup that they probably won't have to face too many guys like that um so so there's that um but also i think it's some guys weren't making tackles at times some guys uh, we're getting caught out of place, and there were just breakdowns in coverages. But to me, some of it, I think, would be schemed to an extent. I don't want to pretend like I'm a, an expert on uh, secondary coverage because, I mean, that, I've tried to understand some of it, but that it's it's complicated. But in just my opinion, you'd see Texas find spots open in the zone, just find a guy in the middle of the defense where there'd be guys around, but no one right there with them. And and so that was problematic at times. So I think some of it can be fixed with schemes, some of it has to be better uh, but, yeah, guys just getting beat over the top is not what you want. And and that's the thing. I mean, the thing that's just most alarming, I think, about this loss is the position groups that we thought were going to be some of the best for this team, such as offensive lines, such as the secondary, such as the front seven, are struggling. And they were a big piece of that loss. And so that's why I think it's reasonable to be concerned about this Alabama football team is the strengths of this team are not where they need to be or where we thought they would be. doesn't mean they can't get there, but at least early on, uh, they got exposed against Texas.
1: Nick Kelly from the Tuscaloosa News is our guest on Big Noon Sports. Where is Alabama this week on injuries?
4: I mean, I think they're in a fairly healthy spot. Uh, I think someone had mentioned that maybe Jaheim Otis got a little uh, banged up on something, but he kept playing. But as far as health, I think they're in a pretty good spot uh, relative to where I guess you can be after a tough matchup like that.
2: And, okay, so... We- Matt and I discussed this yesterday, but if you just look at the big picture of Alabama, um, and, and, you know, in their last uh, 19 games against Power 5 opponents, Crimson Tide's lost five times. In the previous 50 games against those opponents, Alabama had lost the same amount, just five times. Does this indicate that... Uh, I mean, it clearly indicates that there's been some slippage here, uh, but is uh, I guess the question is, like, what? what is the cause of this?
4: My gut reaction is that it, it's because of the new era of college football that we're in. I mean, you look at since 2021 when NIL became legal, so to speak, or allowed, uh, not against the rules. Um, it's changed the dynamics of college football, and it's greatly changed the dynamics of the transfer portal. And I think it's created greater parity than there's ever been before. Um And so that, I think, makes it more difficult to be constantly dominant like Alabama was for so long. I mean, like, that's the thing. The standard here is so high, and the expectation here is so high that, I mean, it's... It's impressive it stayed as long as it did, but because of the things that have been done with NIL and the transfer portal, it's not that Alabama has fallen completely off that, like maybe a Clemson has. I mean, Alabama's been a participant, and so I think that's kept them competitive and relevant. Uh, unlike Clemson, it seems like it's, it's kind of fallen off in that regard. But it just makes it a lot harder where you can construct rosters with transfer guys. I mean, look at what, look what Deion Sanders is doing right now with Colorado. Granted, uh, and sorry, Lars, I know you're a Nebraska guy, but uh, but, but I think, you know, so far he, he's created some serious excitement and he's made a team that's more relevant than we thought they would be early on because of all the transfers he brought in. Look at LSU a season ago with transfers. I mean, look, look at Ole Miss. I mean, they build a lot of their roster transfers. And so the reality is is that you can kind of put together something a lot quicker and construct a roster much quicker in a d- different way than ever before. And I think that just means that, it's not going to be as easy for Alabama to just be completely outright dominant as in the past. doesn't mean Alabama is not going to be there contending, not going to be there playing, not going to be there competitive. I think it certainly can be because, again, they are in that space of transfer portal. They are in that space of NIL, and it's not like uh, they can't be competitive in that way. But I just think it's not going to be to the level that Nick Saban created throughout a lot of the dynasty.
1: Hey, Nick, I just hate to ask you live on air, but could you hold through a second? Well, this is very, very enjoyable and informative. Could you hold and do another segment with us? Do you have time? If you don't, you don't.
4: Yeah, um, unfortunately, players are talking just a few minutes. But- oh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay, yep. Nope, no, never, I, I, never, thought, never I thought I thought that was yeah.
1: Tuesday. Okay, let, let me wrap up with one final question. Something Lars and I were talking about yesterday, and that's Sark Texas, Saban at Tuscaloosa. Given the situation, the current climate of college football, is Texas a better job because they've got more money?
4: I mean, to find better. <laughs> that's a, that's well, a, is it that's easier to get better question, players in
1: but- Texas or Alabama?
4: I mean, Texas obviously is a huge pool, um, so I think from that regard, that might be a better spot. But also, <laughs> working for the Texas donors and boosters, I don't know if I'd want that job. Uh, but I, the resources are there, but there are a lot of hands in that. Whereas Nick Saban, to my understanding, when I wasn't here when he came here, but my understanding is he, he pretty much is like, look, you know, I'm running the show here. Like, you know, we can't have a bunch of hands in, in this kind of thing um and some of this is this isn't exact reporting on my part it's speculation but just in terms of texas is uh just <laughs> all, all the maybe people that you have to report to or the people that uh just might have <laughs> their hand in things um, i don't know that that would be a better job in that regard um, but the resources are there that's no secret there's texas oil money that's there um, and obviously there's plenty of in state talent that's there um but Depending on who you'd have to answer to, that might not be the exact job you want if you're a really prime head coaching candidate.
1: Great stuff, Nick. Go talk to the players. Appreciate it and have a safe trip to Tampa.
4: Sounds good. Thanks so much, guys, for having me and have a thank good rest you. of your week.
1: Yeah, Soon. thank you, Nick. Appreciate really it very good. Much. Um, Nick Kelly, Tuscaloosa News, our guest. Of course, you can look him up, at TuscaloosaNews.com. Subscribe. It's like the only daily newspaper left in the entire country. I still miss that. Just about every morning I get up. I'll get my coffee.
5: Get yep.
2: around. The, no, nothing the like rent. it.
1: No. You
2: get that uh, ink smudged on your fingers. Man. G- but
1: it. you just can't search and gather as much information by bouncing around online. Just- no. Uh, Lars, start printing your own morning newspaper for us. <laughs> okay. All right. we'll uh, when we get back, i got to get into this George Teague story. Uh, he's just, I've always admired him, and it didn't start with the uh, Lamar Thomas rundown in the Sugar Bowl. It started, I guess, going all the way back to Montgomery. We'll talk about that more coming up on Big Noon Sports. Yay!
3: More Big Noon Sports coming up.
1: Hey, welcome back to the program. Matt, Lars, Justin, key your mic for just a second. How are you today?
7: I'm doing good. I'm I'm happy that we got to watch some some football yesterday and the day before. Um, I'm going to pretend we didn't watch football on Saturday. Um, but I'm doing good. I'm glad the weather's getting cool down To uh everything's cooling down as well so that's good. It feels great.
1: Hey, did you get a chance to play uh golf with your pops on sunday?
7: I did not um we uh we had some some grass cutting to do so we uh oh God yeah. what the that's the exact opposite of playing golf. Yeah, they uh, they live on about 20 acres down there in Greensboro. And, you know, we get on that zero-turn lawnmower, and it- it's like Talladega out there. You know, it's like NASCAR. We're cutting the grass as fast as we can. Well, <laughs> uh,
1: never has been one of my favorite chores. Okay. Uh, guys, let's uh, bring up the unfortunate story of the University of Alabama football roster. Of course, Antonio Ross is no longer on it, but he's a preferred walkout on walk on out of alexandria if you're not familiar with that small area it's close to jacksonville if that helps between Aniston and gadsden but anyway he was arrested on sodomy charges in this case it was uh, an alleged sexual incident with uh, a female age of 16 or and above the age of 12 it's just uh it just makes me cringe to read stories like this of course He certainly will get his say in this matter, but that is a story of note. And by the way, if you'd like to get more information on that, go to the Tide 100.9 website for details. Lars, I don't know if you have any reaction to that, but sometimes when I read something like that two days after a huge loss. Just think, wow, you know, kind of when it rains, it pours
2: yeah um I think no matter what uh we can say that uh at, at best uh bad judgment was uh used and at worst uh something very very bad happened uh but you know we'll just have to see how this thing uh plays out in the uh legal system so yeah uh but well, honestly that's the, about all we can say yeah, yeah I, I just uh McConnell
1: walk a, a fine line here because uh, you don't know the details and you don't want to say anything out of line, up the line. Anyway. Um, yeah. George Teague. Do you remember him running Lamar Thomas down in the 93 Sugar Bowl? When Alabama kicked I, I, Miami, I, I, Miami's butt?
2: Yeah, I mean, mostly because uh you know, I sat next to Antonio Langham for about two years uh, doing a radio show, and we'd have caller after caller uh, tell us that they thought that it was Antonio Langham who ran, yeah. <laughs> by, who ran the receiver down, and Antonio finally has gotten to the point where he will he'll just be like, "Yeah, that was a, that was a great night, man. That was a great night." But didn't that didn't that whole play get wiped out because of a penalty? Yeah,
1: yeah. But, you know, had he not done that, it would have stood, you know. Uh, It was just an incredible effort. Because if George Teague and Lamar Thomas started the goal line and ran to the 40, Thomas would beat him by five yards, you know. Yeah. But Thomas was one of those Miami cocky canes. And I I don't necessarily say he let up, but I don't think he had his jets on because he thought he was free and clear. And Teague ran him down. Anyway... Teague was a couple rows back in the uh, I guess the Alabama sideline this past Saturday night, and uh, after the game he, he it just kind of didn't sit right with him the way Texas was kind of standing in the middle of the field. Alabama just went to the locker rooms um, you know he he kind of felt like Alabama needed to kind of protect their their turf, you know um so he tweeted. Uh, I guess after the game he tweeted and ended up getting like a million and a half hits uh, just that, you, know, you know he used the word P-I-S-S-E-D I don't know why I could spell it, can't say it but um, it it made him angry and he called him out and he says, you don't do that you don't let somebody do that in your own stadium uh, and I kind of I, I get where he's coming from I really do and then if you follow George Teague's career if you'll remember, when he was at Dallas, um, uh, who's the wide receiver? Terrell that Owens. A, Terrell Owens. You remember that? Terrell Owens yeah. started stomping on the big star in the middle he, of the Dallas field, and yeah, and, so and
2: T.O. he he, he, him. he had scored a touchdown, and uh, in uh, it was uh, it was a touchdown catch in San Francisco's uh, blowout win uh, in. 2000 and Teague did not care for that. And he really cemented his Cowboys legacy by just drilling Terrell Owens off the midfield star. And, uh, and he to this day is one of the all time favorites in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I mean, as far as the greatest hits in, in Dallas history or that area. I mean, I, I think Nolan Ryan putting Robin Ventura down is number one. And number two, or maybe 1A, is George Teague dismissing Terrell Owens from the Texas Stadium star. So if anyone, anyone in the entire country can talk about disrespect at midfield with some authority – It's this man, George Teague, who, who, uh, you know, in full disclosure, I like very, very much. And, you know, we've had him on the show many times.
1: You know, a couple of interesting things about this is that uh, George Teague grew up in Montgomery and played for Jefferson Davis. And like within 40 miles or less as the crow flies. To played at uh, Benjamin Russell, which is in Alexander City. Uh, I don't know that they ever met. They're about the same age. To probably a little older. I I can't say that for certain.
2: But, but t- you know, To you know, he he still hasn't forgiven Teague for you know daring to ruin his moment of self-aggrandizing, right? By by by, by by you know uh, preening on the most sacred star in all of sports and he hasn't even acknowledged teague in uh in his role as a as a security guard you know in one of the most (laughs) memorable touchdown celebrations that went wrong in nfl history and uh and and george and, and george has reached out to him i mean george uh i believe he like got his cell and, uh, he had an idea for a, a, a business venture and he thought that the two of them together could, could make some money. But, uh, no, you know, he's not, P.O. is not over it. We'll never get over it. And, uh, and George is just like, eh, okay, whatever, you know, like, well. uh, I don't think George, he, did, well, I know for a fact he has no regrets at all. He'd do yeah. it again tonight. Yeah, he'd do it in a New York Minute.
1: You know, the the difference in those guys from uh, a character standpoint, I'll just say it, is, is one end to the other. Yeah. Um, Teague is so beloved. He still lives in Dallas. And he does, and I'm not sure exactly what role he plays, but he works for the uh, Dallas Cowboys TV network. I thought that yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah. It's another thing. Uh, when I first met George Teague, it was uh, he graduated in '93, right after the. By the way, he had a pick six in that game against Miami, and people still think that was Antonio. <laughs> yeah, uh, but first time I ever really got to know George is that he would bring several players, particularly those north of the Mason-Dixon line, to his home over the holidays. And his mother would cook up the biggest vat of chitlins and another vat of turnip greens, collard greens, and then some biscuits and all, you know, as southern a meal as you could possibly get. And he served, it to these guys from the north. By the way, have you ever been around chitlins?
2: No. Okay.
1: I, I got something to inform you about, which may come into play or may not. Later in your life, you're listening to Big news Sports. Well, yeah,
2: and, and Matt, we got to we'll break down more of, of George Teague and his comments and, sure. and why I think they're absolutely pitch perfect.
1: Yeah, well, we'll do that. That's all coming up on Big news Sports.
0: inside the Alabama Crimson Tide with the Gary Harris Show.
4: Hey everybody, it's Gary Harris coming Wednesday on the Gary Harris Show at 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 FM the NASCAR Report with Matt Coulter. The Bama Football Recruiting Report with Andrew Bone. Plus, we'll examine, is the sky falling for Alabama football? I'm looking up right now, and it's still in the air for now. We'll have much more on Alabama football, Wednesday's edition of the Gary Harris Show. Catch the Gary
0: Harris Show Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Texting and you in a recurring automated... Reagan, owner of R&R
6: Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home 2 Suite. Come down to RR and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world renowned cigar and spirits
0: destination. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A partly sunny sky this afternoon, the chance of a few scattered showers through the evening hours. The high today, 90. Tonight's low, 68. Tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine. Scattered showers are possible during the day. The high at 85. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 90 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: This is the Big Noon Sports Network.
1: let's line up some phone calls here as we wrap up our first hour on big noon sports go ahead and give us a shout to 205-342-9904 talking about george teague and his tweet after the game after alabama's loss to texas he was not pleased with the fact that uh, most of the alabama players went immediately to the locker room while texas kind of milled around on they were milling around in alabama's front yard and he 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 took upset exception to that and continues to do so he backed it up in an interview last night with uh, al.com yeah,
2: yeah a really nice piece by our, our buddy michael casagrande um on al.com about this um and uh, and michael notes that as of this morning uh, so Teague, uh, George sent out, uh, a, a couple tweets and one of them, actually two of them went viral. One has 1.6 million views as of this morning and another has, uh, 1.4 million. And really it was just about, uh, how both teams responded, uh, to, uh, to, for Texas, the win and for Alabama, the loss. And, uh, the videos that he showed, uh, the videos that he, he put up and that he took himself. And I imagine George is just sitting there seething, just seething about what had happened. It, it shows Longhorns, uh, celebrating on the midfield logo before running to a crowd of, uh, Alabama fans and singing the Texas fight song. And okay, so th- th- there's sort of a lot to unpack here. Um. In, in in one of the uh, tweets, uh, George wrote, "It's it's one thing to lose, but this can't be happening. Wait until you see these other videos I send. It better uh, blank some people off. Have some friggin' pride." And the 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 point that he uh, that George said he was trying to make that was that. This wasn't only directed at Texas. Uh, he was more upset, he said, with Alabama players because uh, what he, he said, what he saw at the end of the game, like, uh, I, I understand it. You go out and you shake hands and you do stuff at, at midfield. And there was a, it, one of the videos shows Texas players, you know, standing on the logo and getting their photos taken. And, and George is saying, but uh, but he said a lot of the Alabama players just went straight, straight to the locker room which allows other things to happen at the middle of the field so initially he was upset he said by the texas player out of the middle of the field but he's like hey we we don't our guys aren't there what 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 what's, what's going on here why why aren't there alabama guys there and um you know as uh, Michael michael Grande notes in his story that right after Texas took the final knee, uh, a, a good portion of the Alabama team just went directly to the locker room in the north end zone of the field. And um, and that's that's not necessarily you know uncommon. Again, as as Michael Casagrande noted, in that um, you know uh, regardless of who wins or who loses, uh, a lot of a lot of players don't go to uh, the middle of the field to shake hands anymore. Now, I, I, is that a result of of uh, like the COVID? Or I, I mean, I, I don't know what that, I honestly don't know. I, I hadn't even thought about that until, uh, until this whole incident took place. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, uh. Did it start t-
1: around 2021?
2: I'm guessing, I'm, I'm gonna, guessing like it's around, it's because point. of COVID maybe, uh, during, you know, uh, the COVID year where they, they, they I actually think played. That but, might have
1: something to do with it. Cause I yeah. don't, you know. A lot of sports don't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, used to be commonplace, except in baseball because they just don't do it.
4: Um, So
2: the Texas... But also some
1: of the Alabama fans, some of the Alabama players walking off the field did the horns down thing. And Teague didn't like that either. You know, he's trying to get the Alabama sense of pride and... Man, I, like I said from the very beginning of this conversation, I've always liked Teague. I like him even more now. He's,
2: and they, and he's the Alabama tough. players, remember, a lot of them were throwing the horns downfield at Texas last year. And remember, Nick Saban was ye- You could hear him yelling, don't do that. Right. Don't do That's that. Right. And, uh, and, and, and so it could have been some... You know, retaliation for that, uh, it, I mean, to be fair, you know, to give them the full context here, it's, uh, the, the Alabama players did not display the best sportsmanship last year. but there's so much that goes into this, right? and it starts again, this is i I can't believe we're coming full circle on this, but it starts with the freaking athletic directors. Right. Last year, you know, Texas, uh, the, the athletic department decides to stick the Alabama band in the nosebleeds and the Alabama fans in the nosebleeds as just a, uh, a, a way of being disrespectful and, and, pe- and petty. And so if the young people see the adults in the room behaving like childs, like children. How do you think they're how? What example is that setting? And it's almost like it's almost like you could have seen this coming, right? I mean, I, 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 but don't you but don't you think this that that like all of that needs to be taken into account to understand the full context of what is transpiring here? If I can chime in really
7: quick, I I agree with you, Lars. I think it starts at the top, like most all things do and trickles down i think when it comes to the football side of it to me and it may just be my lack of understanding but it's so they 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 contradict each other these statements you you want the alabama players to stay on the field and defend their turf uh, and play more aggressive in their play from the o-line the d-line but then you don't want them to throw the horns down or you know if or if they go out and shake hands and be respectful. They're they're going to be called soft. You know,
2: I feel like there's so yeah, many sides a, of it. Yeah, that's a good point, uh, uh, Justin. You're younger this might be than a generational thing. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was just going to ask. You're you're yeah. younger than Matt and I. Um, do you have a problem with players just going directly off the field and and, and not shaking hands at midfield? And yeah. you think it's and you think it's a result of of COVID.
7: Yeah, I I could see it uh, being from COVID uh, because I definitely think it was straight to the locker room. And I think that was a requirement, um, especially from that 2020 season. Um, I don't know. Oh,
1: I, I have to interrupt here. Mm-hmm. That makes absolutely no sense. You're slobbering in a pile of <laughs> humanity, know. and yet you can't shake hands after the game. I'm sorry, oh, Justin. Well, That's
2: I, flown all over me for three years. <laughs> well, I, but now, Matt, I mean, nothing about COVID makes sense. <laughs> well, I mean, really? from masks to, you know, everything. But
7: Justin, anyway, Justin, Justin go ahead. Yeah. yeah, we could do a whole show on that, but uh, that'd be on a different radio station. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm conflicted with this as well because I think if I just got my butt beat in a game that I was supposed to win um, I would not want to hang around but I also don't like seeing Texas um, you know sing their song and linger around on our field for hour 30 minutes after the game and I think that's also on sark and and it's a little disrespectful on their side I would think um, you're you're a guest at someone's thing it doesn't matter if you beat them or not like Why would you hang around and and celebrate? Another point, which is a little unrelated, I heard that they brought cigars from Austin just in the case that they possibly would have beat us. Can you imagine if Alabama did that on an away game? Other than Tennessee, of course. They do it, Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, other than other um, than Tennessee, where the tradition. But you bring cigars in case you're going to win. Now, s- if they fired those
1: up hard. after the game on the field, that there'd be a whole lot of cigar butts in places that would be uncomfortable. Well, I think hey, that would even wake up the Alabama football team.
2: All, all three of us, you know, played sports uh, it, it, when we were younger. Justin, you weren't that much younger, but and we all like everyone lost heartbreaking games or matches or whatever didn't you always go and shake the hand and say you know good job you got the better of me today i'll start with you justin
7: um yeah definitely you you shake your hand and then uh middle in middle school sixth grade, Justin losing a football game would shake their hand and then go cry in his mom's car after um, <laughs> because <laughs> he was so mad like that he I lost.
1: Did, like Lars did, yeah. I mean, when it, when it hurts you literally to the point of tears, man, you care. I'm, and I've never had a problem with that, really. But uh, one thing I did have a problem, I think I can speak for all three of us here, When there's a video out of an Alabama fan yelling at the Texas sideline, some really crude uh embarrassing things and um that's a situation where i truly believe uh the voice of
2: four ends up being the look of the entire Alabama and i i hate that and and justin do do you know is that have those fan or fans been identified i've
7: seen the video i've not heard them um if they've been identified yet but as a and Lars, you're a professor at the university, and I'm a recent alum, and, so, and Matt, you're an alum as well. I hope, and I'm not for going after people or, or canceling, if you will, but I hope those people are found and are either banned from the stadium or if their students kicked out of school, because I think that's absolutely unacceptable. And like you guys just said, it makes the whole university look bad. It's 2023, people. Come on. I mean, how
1: embarrassing did you make the Alabama nation look? Lars, that should be your assignment in class. Go find out who
2: these knuckleheads
1: are. <laughs> and an don't recording. ever allow them on the
2: uh, anywhere nearby. I, I, I bet if I unleashed my students on, oh, on this yeah. task, they, they could figure it out.
1: Uh, on the other side, wrapping up on... Uh, I'm sorry, it was funny. And I, you're right, Lars. Pettiness begins at the top. But the pictures you see on social media of the Texas band in the far upper stands all the way over to the side sitting there all crunched up I uh probably not supposed to but I laughed out loud you know the picture I'm talking about guys
7: hey Matt I can give you first hand account I was sitting one section over from the Texas student (laughs) section in their band (laughs) were they able to
1: make their way down from the uh, upper deck didn't they make their way down to the field because it seemed like they were playing the Texas all, you know, the Texas Been on the Railroad song.
2: I, I think they did
7: somehow. Yeah, I feel
2: sorry for the trombone guy. <laughs>
7: that's, that's the trombones block. were the very last ones to come up. I'll say that. So <laughs> they were struggling a little bit.
1: you got to be a pretty BA just to tote one of those things around on a flat ground. Next hour, lots of phone calls. Let's line them up. Go on, tell, tell us what you think about George T., any other subject as well. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Back in a minute.
2: Attention. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com
0: A Town Square Media Station, WTUG HD two Northport W two six five CG Tuscaloosa, Tide one hundred point nine, and streaming on the Tide one hundred point nine app.
3: Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This oh, wow. is Big Noon
5: Sports. Wow. Yeah, well, he played really well in the last scrimmage, and uh, he's done well in practice. So we feel really good about sort of how he's continued to improve and develop and gain confidence in what he's doing and have a good feeling around, you know, the teammates and the receivers and all that type of thing. Well, you know, I think we gave up one sack on a pressure. You know, most of it was we gave up a sack on a three-man rush. Um, you know, we gave up several sacks on four-man rushes. Uh, I think we're too soft-setting in the, in the line. Uh, we got to be firmer in protection. Uh, pocket can't collapse. But uh, people have to get open. Quarterback has to process quickly and get the ball out of his hand. Uh, we can't hold the ball. Um, so... It's a combination of all those things, I think, that um, was a problem. But it wasn't like there was some scheme that they were running that we didn't have it picked up. Uh, We just didn't get them blocked like we need to.
1: You know, uh, what he's saying is, uh, I guess in kind of a soft way, is they kicked our butts. That's in reference to the offensive line. The first quote you heard was concerning quarterback Tyler Buckner. He said he thought about making a change in the Texas game. He didn't discuss it with anybody else, but he never went to that because at the time he was thinking about it, and suddenly Monroe got lit. And uh, he, he had that real fast drive, and I think the 49-yard touchdown to drained Burton. So, uh, of course, he wasn't going to pull him after that. I don't know how it will go in South Florida. Uh, actually, I kind of have a clue. I think it'll go a lot, lot like Middle Tennessee State. And they'll keep Jalen in halfway through the third quarter. They'll put Tyler Buckner in. However, Lars, if South Florida, in their bullish ways at Raymond James Stadium, somehow are playing Alabama, heads up, physical, and let's say it's a 14-14 tie. And Milrose uh, maybe he's fumbled a snap for Turn the ball over. Is Saban going to pull the trigger and go to Buckner?
2: Yeah, I don't see that happening, though. But in that in that scenario, yeah, absolutely. But, um, but if I Alabama's
1: think, dominating and winning, you think it'll be third quarter and they'll put Buckner in just like they did? In yes, the, yeah. The probably
2: one, one series in the third. Um, I think Alabama, I mean, when Nick Saban says that he would be, what was the word you used, shocked? If Alabama doesn't respond and, yeah. well, respond, and play very well. I think Alabama is going to respond and play very well. And 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 also, I've been giving this a little little more thought here. Um, so Tyler Buckner, you know his 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 floor is higher, but his ceiling is lower than Milroe, right? Like you, uh, clearly, you're gonna get a quarterback who, uh, who manages the offense, um, who probably isn't gonna be, uh, as, uh, sort of all or nothing as, uh, as, as Milroe and, and, uh, you know, he probably could do just, a, a, a fine, adequate job of getting Alabama to the, uh, SEC championship game. But I also think that, you know, Milrow is going to be here for a while. And the upside, his ceiling, is astronomical. And he's a young player. He hasn't had that many snaps at the collegiate level, especially meaningful snaps, right? It was just sort of a... I know it was a, I don't know, it went, uh, 75 last year in, in games where it really mattered and, and then, uh, against Texas and you could make the argument that, that really, uh, I, I, his first difficult start was against Texas. His first really, really big game as the starter going in with all the pressure. Uh, that that was his his start number one, and um, you know you need to he needs to develop, and the only way to develop is to play, and and, and, and Buckner, I think he's just a, he's a really good uh, guy to have as your as your backup in case Milroe goes down with injury, and I really believe or or is extremely ineffective. And, and, and the fact that he didn't go to Buckner or Simpson against Texas, I think is very revealing on how he views the quarterback situation. This is Jalen Milrow's team for better or worse. And I think it probably will be for better because I believe he will be a different quarterback in about uh, two months than he is right now uh, because he just has phenomenal athletic ability I mean he I, I, I would argue he's he's probably the best athlete a quarterback that Nick Saban has had uh, overall because he's such a dynamic runner and uh and i was surprised uh, kind of i was surprised by the play calling against texas and i'm i'm sure like those those guys are far smarter than i am and it's easy to the monday morning yeah but order. it didn't
1: look like they'd held anything back from middle tennessee state it looked like they i know you're right i
2: i just you know there were some times when it was uh, like the, the 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 running of Milrow, it was working and then they called three straight pass plays like I just I I did, I and it with it within, from within the pocket you know and not getting him out in space where he's got the a, a chance to 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 make a play uh with his legs and really stress that defense um Can you imagine
1: so, Milrow excuse me for interrupting but I just this flashed through my brain can you imagine Milrow one, running a veer or a full wishbone with Alabama's oh, table running Can back? you imagine okay this is
2: <laughs> only yeah, our fun. only only our older listeners will get this. Can you imagine yeah, him? I can
1: feel it. They're very. But excited. you know
2: where it's coming. Can you imagine him running the out? Or excuse me, running the Oklahoma wishbone under Barry Switzer. I uh, mean, with like a guy like Billy Sims and uh, or Jack I mean, Mildren. Jack Mildren, yeah. Uh, t- uh, he was Thomas, one of the best operators ever. Thomas Lot. Um, uh, Jamel Holloway, I mean, gosh! The, you that, know, Alabama
1: the, fans will go back and talk about Terry Davis, Edmond yep. Sheely, and Jeff Rutledge ran, ran the bone. Richard Todd ran the wishbone.
2: I love um, the wishbone. I say bring wow. the wishbone back because Alabama actually has the running backs to do that. Uh, it would be, be great. It'll it'll be, be, it would be great to see. Ah, you could just put one of those tight ends at fullback. Oh, but, yeah. Um, yeah,' it's so it,
1: beautiful to watch. I mean, right. and if they get four yards, just line up, get four yards, they line up, get four more, and then they'd break one for thirteen, and then occasionally they'd throw a pass and be incomplete, and they'd go back to the wishbone um Alabama's transformation from a mediocre team back to the national championship picture took place when coach Bryant went and met with Daryl Royal, um, yeah. And actually That's uh right. and was a secret the, it was a who secret was the meeting. Inventor. Yeah, who was the inventor of it? He was a
5: long-time yeah.
2: coach at Mississippi State. Didn't yeah, now didn't Bear I Bryant. I can't remember either. It's in my book Chasing the Bear, but didn't Bryant go and visit him? Yeah. And sort of got all the, got that all the, secret, got all of his notes. Yeah, and then they unleashed it against USC, right? In in uh, in Pasadena. And
1: Went out there and beat them in one of the biggest yeah, open season yeah. upsets ever. I remember listening to that game on the radio. I just almost climbed out of the kitchen window and danced <laughs> on the patio. It was just, but, it was a huge win on the university campus. The students went freaking crazy. From what I've been and, told, uh, the quad was just full of uh, Alabama students' party, and somebody said, Hey, I got a great idea. Let's go jump in the fountain in front of the Rose Administration, and they did. And there were <laughs> pictures. And they—that's one of the biggest post-game
2: parties Alabama ever had. <coughs> and I, I can't—excuse rem- <coughs> me—I can't remember this reporter's name, but uh, a sort of a legendary uh, writer for the Tuscaloosa News, he figured out what Alabama was going to do. And Bryant, you know, put his uh, big arm around him one day walking out oh. of practice and, and he was kind of just saying, Hey, we're all on the same team here. And I, I'd appreciate you that you do the right thing. And, uh, and he did. I mean, he, you know, he didn't write that and, and, you know, reporters today are sometimes confronted with the same thing. If you write something, uh, that is harmful. To a, a team or a coach, you're going to burn that bridge, and uh, I think you usually it's, it's, it's more important. It's more important to maintain the relationship, especially if you're a beat reporter. And uh, but there was this a different relationship back then between reporters and coaches than now. But getting back to road Matt, don't do you agree? By the way, it's oh, my billard Oh yeah, yes. Um, do you agree that? I think Saban's taking the long view here with Jalen Milroe and not the immediate sort of gratification of just putting Buckner in there, who you know you'd only have for this year, whereas Milrow could be your starting quarterback for the next two years after this year.
1: I see something a little different this year in... Coach Saban, particularly in his post-game comments, and I'll share that with you. And by the way, I forgot to give you information on chitlins, which I know, Lars, you're going to (coughs) have. Cooker big backs.
2: Can't wait to hear. Children. All
1: right. Yeah. They're actually called chitterlings. Back in a minute on Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather.
0: A partly sunny sky this afternoon, the chance of a few scattered showers through the evening hours. The high today, 90. Tonight's low, 68. Tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine. Scattered showers are possible during the day. The high at 85. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 93 degrees in
3: Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: break, all I could think of was great players in the wishbone. And you watched it from the Nebraska side as OU just would decimate teams running the wishbone. But Alabama was running it and um, they won three national championships running the wishbone. Uh, What a smothering ball control offense that just wore the opponent down. It was very Bryant-like in the style of play the reason I think differently about Saban than I have in his in his treatment uh, the way he's used his other quarterbacks when he was asked Saturday night about whether or not he ever considered to go to a backup go to somebody other than Monroe he paused for quite some time and then he's you know he admitted to thinking about it but not discussing it um First of all, uh Saban usually doesn't answer questions like that with with you know total transparency, but he did. And I hey, we get the right to read too much into a picture, right Lars? Absolutely. I I, I read into that that uh his triggers finger is a little quicker now. Maybe maybe not. You I don't think you see it that way I do.
2: Um perhaps and perhaps he's trying to send a message to Jalen. Um, but, uh, yeah, but I, I, mean, I really, I really think, uh, I mean, look, we haven't seen Tyler Buckner play a single meaningful snap as a quarterback at Alabama. So I, I don't know what he's capable of. I am surprised though, Matt. I, I, you know, I told you for months and months and months that I was, uh, I believe that Ty Simpson was going to be the starting quarterback day one, and uh, obviously that didn't happen. Shows you how much I know. Um, he seems to be almost a distant uh, third stringer. And uh, do you think this means that 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 Ty Simpson is uh, likely going to be looking at other options after the season? I guess it's it, it probably depends on how everything plays out, but.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, but if if he continues to be, and I think you worded it appropriately, a distant third as far as the quarterback room is concerned, and I wouldn't blame him. I mean, this guy no. was a 5A star plus coming out of Georgia, right? Yeah. and, and uh, He has just, not Justin, seen, no, sorry, not go seen ahead significant now. playing time since he's been there. Although, when I saw him in some games and particularly was it this year's a day or the year before probably the year before that uh, i i thought uh he looked very very good and by the way I, i should have asked nick kelly this maybe i'll ask justin justin what's the word on justice
7: haynes i have not heard anything either although i've not been you know feeling my sources out um but i think everybody's very confused as to why we saw so little of him against texas i've not heard an update hopefully we'll hear something this week um before the
2: usf game and what are you what or what have you heard right from your sources your your boots on the ground there in tuscaloosa uh what what have you heard about ty simpson and uh, what's your just analysis of what has happened with him? Yeah, um
7: from what I've heard, he the competition has kind of caused him to um, fall back a little bit. Um, since it got close and he started understanding that he most likely wasn't in the lead and that Milro was going to be starting, um, from what I've heard that he he's regressed slightly and i think that's why we're seeing buckner um as the the backup guy right now um not that he ty simpson doesn't have the ability to to come back and we know he's talented uh, like you've been, like you mentioned you've been saying for the last couple months um but I, maybe the the pressure just got too much for him um and i don't know how accurate that is but that's what i've been hearing do you think he'll enter the portal Things keep going this way. I I think so. I think there's a possibility we could see two or three of these guys enter the portal. Alabama really has a quarterback problem on their hand with uh, hands with Julian Sayan coming in next year. Um, yeah, we keep talking about Lonergan, um, but if Julian Sayan's here, you know which one of them is going to be the starter or battling is um, is Millrose a junior or is he a senior this year?
2: Oh, I thought no, he was.
7: What, Tyler
1: Simpson? Ty Simpson is a redshirt freshman.
7: Yeah, well, I, I think we're going to have a lot of quarterbacks, and there's going to be an even bigger competition next season compared to what we saw this off season.
1: I can't give you that information because I don't have a depth chart.
2: Um, I don't think anybody he's has a depth chart. Yeah, he's, he's a, a, a redshirt sophomore, I believe. But, yeah, Carson, that's why I, I thought he yeah, – You have the... Yeah, he's a redshirt sophomore. He's a redshirt sophomore. You have a scoop on Saiyan. go through that again. Yeah, so uh, I have a friend who is working on a book. And for this book, he has embedded with the Saiyan family and uh, out in uh, California, meaning he's he's spending a, a lot of time with uh Julian and his, his his parents and uh his high school coach and he's actually been in the room when he's talking to Nick Saban and uh and he <laughs> has told me that uh the two talk a lot and um and that Nick Saban is, is he used the phrase you know uh just keep keep your mind where your feet are like just every day, try to get better, right? And and uh, and and just uh, you know, just focus on improving. And, and 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 Julian, he he wants to be like everyone, uh, every high school quarterback. He wants to play in the NFL. And he believes that his best place to go to develop to become an NFL quarterback is Alabama. He comes from a, a, a family that has uh, has means that uh, he's not worried about NIL, and uh, he just um, he just wants to to come and, and and ball right. And he's a he's a gym rat. Uh, he just he loves he loves the the grind um he uh um my, my friend who's again working on this book like said he reminds him of joe burrow in that he just he just loves the uh chess match of football and loves to study it and 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 you got to remember that nick saban he i think he still views himself as a as a quarterback right he was he was an all-state quarterback in West Virginia, and he was he was very successful at it. And uh, I think he if sort of the if he hadn't played defensive back at Kent State, and he had gone on to be say a third string backup at Kent State as a as a quarterback, right because of his size. Um, he would be known as an offensive-minded coach, an offensive guru, rather than a, a defensive guy. Um, but I think that he, you know, he, he can communicate at a really high level with with quarterbacks, and it appears. And according to my guy, that the the two have a really uh, a special relationship formed. And Nick Saban's not making any promises. But I think uh, you can see how rapidly Julian Sane is developing. And, And, you know, he needs to put on some weight. But the thing is, he has the one thing you can't teach, and that is accuracy. And he knows to go he knows where the ball needs to go pretty much pre-snap, uh, a la Joe Burrow, and he's still a work in progress. He's a young player, but I think Nick Saban, again, from what I've been told, like just absolutely loves this kid, and I could see him sort of being the last sort of cornerstone quarterback of the Nick Saban era, and uh, and I want to be very clear, like that that is not what uh has been uh articulated to me directly but i'm inferring this and and there's julian Sane has so much potential and of course you got to work right you got to work 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 to maximize that potential and he needs to get bigger he needs to put on weight he needs to put on muscle and he's doing that um and he's and he's playing at a really really, really high level right now now can he come in and start as a freshman? Mm, not many do, and so it makes sense to me that you have milro this year, Milrow next year and then uh and then in twenty twenty five uh conceivably you'd have Milro and saying going after the starting quarterback position uh, and competing and see, you know, who wins over the team, or it could be like a Jalen Tua situation. Um, but uh, uh, I just know that Nick Saban just loves, loves, loves this kid. And that's why when you, you mentioned, you know, the the other quarterbacks on the roster, um Justin, and the possibility of of uh, getting in the portal, I think you're spot on. I really do.
1: Well, what you know the only way we're gonna find out is just watch the season play out. Okay. Justin, are you on mic? Key your mic, please.
5: I gotta I'm ask here. You very I'm here. the
1: most important question of the day. Have you ever eaten chitlins?
7: I sure have. I I sure have. <laughs> Did you like them? Um Not really. I'll be honest, not
1: really. Um, I've never tasted them because it's impossible to get past the smell when you cook them. If you walk into a kitchen uh, and you got your grandma cooking some chitlins, it'll make you want to turn around and go back out the door. Um, But I'm told if you can get past that, they're pretty tasty. And I I guess you all both know that they're pig's intestines uh and a very very old culture driven food uh back in the days where uh you know you had a long
7: well it looks like our uh, our gremlins here in the tide 109 studio have have struck again um we have been doing good for so long on Big Noon Sports without avoiding uh any mess-ups or freezes. Looks like we lost Matt and Lars here. But we'll go to break really quick and we'll uh, we'll get them back on and we'll finish out um Big Noon Sports uh with Matt and Lars. Thanks for listening and we'll be right back.
4: To
0: win. Ball game, Alabama wins Filled for championship. Headed for the pilot, get the race, wins the race, touchdown, Alabama, Built by Bama. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide head to Tampa to take on South Florida. Our coverage begins at 1130 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. Yeah, BirminghamRacecourse.com. Cool. You can be a winner, too. I was 30.
2: To the you plane. Were able to throw the
3: this break? is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This
1: is Big Noon Sports.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Good. Good.
1: It really didn't last very long.
0: On the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson.
3: Tune in Wednesday, 7.30. We'll have former Alabama great Scott Hunter. We'll discuss the quarterback situation with Scott. Also, 8.15, Bill Cameron will join us. We'll recap the game played out in California. Also look to the Sanford game for the Auburn Tigers. We also put the Texas game to bed and look forward to
0: the
1: South Florida game.
0: Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A partly sunny sky this afternoon, the chance of a few scattered showers through the evening hours. The high today, 90. Tonight's low, 68. Tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine. Scattered showers are possible during the day. The high at 85. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 93 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: And we're going to the top of the hour, and let's open up the phone lines wide. Anything you want to talk about, anything within reason, just dial 205-342-9904. Also, a reminder that you can... Uh, find all of our programming through the website tide 100.9 also we have our own website which is bignoonsports.com that's the way you can stream and listen to us wherever you want to go and also you can follow us on x i don't think i'll ever get used to saying that just like i still say the open Raiders, but twitter um at big noon sports okay um we're going into break, and I don't know if y'all heard me say this or not, so I'm going to repeat it. Um, there's a great story, of course, what I've lost now, I'll find it, about pro athletes that have been coaches. And right off the top of my mind, Lars, my thought is really good players don't make very good coaches. Can you think of one, an example on either end? I know this. I'm not supposed to ask questions without giving you warning. I tried to, but the gremlins got us. Can either of y'all name, name one that did very very well? Name one that uh, was kind of a disaster.
2: And uh, did you say an NFL
1: player? A pro player, basketball, NBA, uh, NFL, um, and hockey. I think this story included one of all of those.
7: Well. Basketball, you're Doc Rivers, right? That'd be one.
1: Yeah. Yep. Basketball has several. Uh, Doc Rivers, you remember at the end of his career, Bill Russell was a player coach. Uh, Jerry West, and I. this one had to kind of pop myself in the head, actually coached the Lakers for, I think, the 76-77 season. You remember Magic Johnson? What did he coach, 15 games? He couldn't stand his players, and he left? Yeah. Uh, I always thought that was an interesting situation, but uh, Dion is making his effort at the college level. This article was more along the lines of professional, but uh, I thought it was quite interesting.
2: Yeah, um, Mike was Mike Didka. Mike Yeah Dan Dan Reeves, Don Shula, Tony Dungy. Did Don Shula play? Yeah, he. Played if he did, York. I
1: wasn't there to cover him. <laughs>
2: He was a defensive back. He played for the Browns in 51 and was a part of a 15-player trade. That's a pretty big trade. Uh, that's the biggest trade ball. I think I've ever heard of. <laughs> uh, He had 21 career interceptions in the NFL, played in 73 games. Um Yes, yeah, so, and Tony Dungy um, won a Super Bowl. Uh, um, Lenny Wilkins, y'all remember him. Jeff Fisher? He's pretty good. Herm Edwards? Yeah. Oh, you remember Herm Edwards? Tom name Tom Landry. Tom Landry, I didn't realize. I, I'm I'm cheating. I, I looked this up. No, that's
1: okay. <laughs> I'm trying to find the article that brought this up and I can't. Uh, I had it on my phone. Moll. Okay. The man that you are going back. Bill Cower? Uh, Art Shell. Oh, uh, you know who was who was really Schoenheimer? Bad. Mike Singletary. Yeah, he was I was player. I was surprised by that. Yeah, me too. Could hit me. Um, he had such an intensity as a player.
2: Maybe he was too intense to be a coach. Yeah, he had one thousand four hundred eighty-eight career tackles in his twelve years with the Bears. He missed only two games in twelve years. And uh, a linebacker, yeah, a collision he guy, ten Pro Bowls and eight All-Pro teams. You remember when he played player, in college? Uh Baylor, didn't he? Yep. Yeah, yeah. He
1: played against Alabama in a bowl game. And I think Alabama how I remember stuff like this. I think Alabama ended up beating the Baylor Bears sixteen to two. I must have looked that up. I thought that was uh, I remember watching it. And they focused a lot on singletary. But he was about all Is that,
2: isn't that interesting that uh none of these players I mentioned were quarterbacks. Who's the best quarterback turned NFL coach?
1: Uh, best quarterback turned coach that immediately comes to my mind. Uh, I hate to say it because he wasn't very good as a coach, but he was a hell of a player. It's Bart Starr? You remember when he coached the Packers? That's right. They were uh, about a five hundred team, I think. I hope I'm not taking credit away where it's due, but um,
2: I think Frank Reich. He's he's been yeah. decent.
1: Didn't he orchestrate the greatest comeback in the history
2: of the NFL playoffs? Yeah, Bill's Raiders, and, uh, yeah, they were down, gosh, what, 31-3 to or something. Um, Yeah.
1: Hey, if you'd like to join in and throw one our way, call 205-342-9904. Of course, we can talk Bama quarterbacks, too. Yeah, Lars? In
2: in the NFL this week— Joe Burrow was terrible. Josh Allen was terrible. Justin Herbert, not very good. And there's like a long list of top NFL quarterbacks who really struggled in Week One. It's because uh, they don't and play and
1: exhibition games.
2: Yeah. Okay. That, that that was that was going to be my really? question. Yeah, I'm sorry. Be, I stole no, your no, yeah. No. That was going to be my question. Is it because they're not playing? In, uh, in preseason games and, uh, it's just, it's all about timing and rhythm. And if you don't achieve that in preseason, then you're really at a, at a deficit to start the NFL regular season. And I'm wondering if there's going to be a shift in the collective group thinking of NFL coaches about how they view the preseason based upon the fact that you have all these elite quarterbacks who just uh, put up duds of performances in week one. And also, it's interesting, arguably the three best teams in the AFC, the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Bills, all lost week one.
1: You know, uh, I've always wondered, why they didn't give him a couple of series you know I know you don't want to risk especially in Burroughs case or Lamar Jackson's case um name a handful of quarterbacks that have just signed the biggest ever contract Jalen hurts don't want to risk
2: that. Jalen uh, hurts really struggled um
1: uh, and, and of course he's it was his first start but uh Bryce struggled in a, in a couple of ways too but that's understandable um. I think they ought to take a couple of snaps. Uh, but then again, last night's a perfect example as why you shouldn't play them in exhibition games
7: based on what yeah. happened to Aaron Rodgers. Guys, I I, agree. I'm agree. i curious on your take, um, kind of going with the Aaron Rodgers thing parallel here. I saw some, some blowback from some former NFL players, and their names are slipping me right now. But uh, I believe it, um former Tennessee Titan offensive lineman talking about um, turf in NFL stadiums. And I know we saw with, uh, I want to say FIFA or whoever it is, is changing all of their turf fields to normal grass to prevent injury. Is that something the NFL needs to consider?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't, that had I don't nothing know why to, they don't. That had nothing to do with the injury last night. And so the, the context, I don't think, really warranted uh, all, everything. But um, it's clear and I, I believe uh both matt and justin that there is sort of we there is sort of scientific evidence now that tells us that field turf is actually you're you're more more prone to suffer an injury on field turf than you are on natural grass and uh it's it's more expensive obviously to maintain grass uh, and in some areas, it's just, it's really hard to, to keep it, uh, well, you know, to keep, keep it going. going. Yeah. Um but you, you can do it. I mean, look at, you know, the Cardinals, uh, and their facility in Phoenix, they actually can, they move the grass outside, right? They have that, that, that massive sort of, uh, gosh, I, I don't know what you, you're the, some of the rocket scientists, Matt, you know, it's this massive thing that just pulls the grass out and, uh, in the, in the grass, then they have in the sunshine and then they'll put the grass back in when the team, you know, is going to play a game and it's always like really, really good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the New York Jets are one of the most valuable franchises in the NFL. And uh, their owner, Woody Johnson, who, by the way, that was just really bizarre what he was wearing last night, uh, that big chain that said Woody, <laughs> uh, that big gold I chain. I don't, I, I don't know if you saw was it that. Was like a
1: big bling? Was it like
7: a turnover bling? Was, yeah, yeah. Um, it was referenced in Hard Knocks, I think, um, and he got it. And I believe he challenged the team to—I don't know—if they win a Super Bowl, that he'd get everybody on the team a chain like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a quote. Yeah, There's he was—he 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 was blinged out, definitely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this quote from Randall Cobb, an often-known teammate of Aaron Rodgers since 2011. We wanted the NFL to protect the players with grass fields, but the NFL is more worried about making money. Profit over people. It's always been the case. I've never been a fan of turf. That's my stance. Some of the offensive linemen were also talking about the surface at the, was it MetLife
7: Stadium
1: where the Jets played last night? Yeah, MetLife. It's it's already in poor condition. So, you know, it's just like if... So, see, I'll say, if you can put man on the moon, you should be able to grow really good, actual, natural grass indoors. Um, but was it last year's Super Bowl that they had such a beef with?
2: Or the yeah, where, where everybody was slipping?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because the turf yeah. was coming, it was coming yeah. up.
2: Yeah, it didn't have
1: yeah. a, a great root system, and the all-time turf master of every Super Bowl was the guy that put it in there, and it it failed so
2: yeah uh, just about the final thing about woody johnson He he's, he's 76 and uh yeah he he looked like he was debuting a rap album i mean it was just bizarre it was so bizarre to, to see uh what he was wearing and uh, just in so many ways uh his, his shirt was like you know, he's wearing a white collared shirt and the top like three buttons were undone. And then he's got the, the, the big, uh, the, the, the blinged out necklace uh, that uh, I think it says wood or woody and, um, you know, diamond studded, diamond encrusted. Uh, pretty, pretty funny. I was just like, well, because I, I didn't I didn't see hard knocks and I was just like, whoa. Okay, that's a seventy-six-year-old owner right there. <laughs>
1: uh, I'm trying to. Look but why?
2: You know, and th- these guys are making so much money, the owners. Why not spend? If you know, if we know by uh, by by research that players are more prone to get injured on this, uh you know, field turf, then why not put the grass in? Well, and, that's, and, 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 and you're right, and it has been going on for, for many years that, that the players I'm surprised that the players didn't demand this in their last collective bargaining negotiations, that every field in the NFL be be grass. It's uh
1: it's hard to believe that it's it's a cost deal if the result might be that you end up with a guy you're paying sixty million dollars a year on the sidelines. Uh, yeah. That's not a good investment at all, is it? So I don't yeah. know if I could agree with Randall Cobb on that, but I do agree with the rest of his statement, and that's it. Uh, it's it does I think, and there's probably empirical evidence that shows that it's uh, more injury prone than it is just grass.
7: Yeah, um, I'm I'm wondering though, Lars. I know the turf didn't play a ginormous <coughs> role in the Rogers injury, but the way his foot kind of catches there and causes it yeah attack. no you're you right think, like it's the possible. Grass,
2: it could have slipped through so okay yeah i i just uh so this it, it was uh the packers uh uh offensive lineman david uh Bakat- bakatari
7: bakhtiari.
2: He, bakhtiari uh who is very well respected he's an incredibly good player and he's the one that it was slamming the nfl for turf issues after the injury and it was all over social media but uh okay so according to a study that i'm looking at now okay so of non-contact injuries uh players have a 32 percent higher rate of non-contact injuries on turf as opposed to uh natural grass and a staggering 69% higher rate of the of non-contact foot slash ankle injuries on turf compared to grass. So if it's just, if we're just talking like foot and ankle, like look like what we saw last night with Aaron Rodgers, um, it's 69% higher rate of injury on turf as opposed to grass. And so uh, it, it, it definitely... And so it, it, this was uh, an NFLPA, NFL Players Association uh, study, or they they were the ones that uh, financed the study uh, back in, in, in 2009, and it's, it, it is very clear that that there are simply there's more injuries on on artificial turf than there is on grass, and uh, protect
7: your investment
2: then, yeah. Well, yeah. guys,
7: they're they're definitely thinking about it now because the Jets had, what, five primetime games, and now Rodgers isn't playing in any of them.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, that's just not good for the NFL altogether, whether you're an Aaron Rodgers fan or uh, anti-Aaron Rodgers. Um, that's bad for the league. Oh, That's just... Uh, but...
2: You know, like him or that, so, love him or
1: hate him. People like here, to watch Aaron Rodgers. Okay, play. so,
2: okay, here, this is interesting. Um, okay, so we don't know if the turf really had any impact on whether or not it, 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 it contributed to, uh, Aaron's injury, but, um, the, uh, Jets and the Giants, right, who both play at MetLife Stadium. Uh, the two organizations, they did put in uh new turf. It was replaced earlier this year. And Aaron Rodgers commented on the turf uh, before the Jets' uh, preseason game against Tampa on August 19th. And this is what he said, quote, I'm a fan of grass got to admit that i like wearing seven studs uh meaning it it is cleats seven studs and playing on grass but i feel like the field is supposedly the newest and the greatest there's obviously been a lot of conversation around grass field compared to turf field but i feel like the other night it's been one of the best surfaces i've seen that's artificial it's our surface so we're going to enjoy it i always felt a little i've always felt a little faster on turf so i look forward to that so, yeah. Um.
1: You know, that was um, that was the big deal in the late 60s and early 70s when they started putting in concrete painted green is that um, it made you so much faster. Yeah, That's back when Tennessee had the unbelievable track teams and it led to getting guys like Willie Galtz a perfect example. Uh, I mean, he was world-class in his speed anyway, but you put him on astroturf, and nobody could nobody could guard him because he was so fast on that surface. But you want to talk about injury levels. When you fall down on the equivalent of concrete, which is I, I remember being on the surface at Legion Field and amazed at how hard it was. And also how it looked, felt, and the, and here's another thing about turf: it it doesn't it, it absorbs heat in turf a lot lot hotter than just regular natural grass. Yeah, That's what I've been led to believe.
2: do You know, the first team college or pro to install field turf.
1: Uh, I'll bet it was somebody in the Midwest,
2: the University of Nebraska, in the summer of 1999, and uh, it's still there. And, uh, you, you know, have you guys, I'm sure you guys, everybody, there's field turf everywhere now. Uh, That's you know, what we're, 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 we're Lincoln. High yeah, we're, we're Lincoln, you know, Base, he plays. Little League Baseball. Little League Baseball. And it's, it's ground up, uh, rubber tire, right? So there's rubber, yeah. so it supposedly, you know, gives you a cushion. And, uh, for Little League Baseball, I mean, gosh, when all three of us were growing up, uh, I assume that this is the case for you, Justin, that, uh, played on dirt, played on grass, just right, you know, and, and the, the bounces, if you're in the infield, like never would be true. And, and you know, I, I took many of, uh, uh, hard grounders to the face because, well, probably because I just wasn't very good at baseball, but, uh, also. hit just, a rock
1: and then Yeah, hit a, yeah, hit, a, hit a, yeah, yeah. But that's uh, part of it. all the time.
2: Justin, I guess you're young enough where – did you grow up playing sports
7: on field turf? Um, I There was a mix. Uh, like playing football in high school, our home field was dirt, but then we would go play on turf. And I always yeah. preferred dirt because uh, playing linebacker when you're on the ground, those rubber-like beads – one, it's incredibly hot, like you said, Matt, but those beads will stick to you. and So you yeah. always got to like, brush them off instead of just being naturally dirty, I guess. <laughs>
1: You know what, uh, one benefit is, and maybe the only, is that when you go to the videotape and you're trying to view whether or not a receiver got his second foot down and he does the toe drag, you can tell if he really got it on the surface because all that black stuff is kicking up.
7: Those are some yeah. cool photos when that happens. I'll, yeah. I'll agree with that.
1: Um, but, uh,
2: yeah. I wonder it if it, like I wonder if we can. The natural is better, <laughs> yeah. On natural, yes. Uh, um and and that. I, I wonder. I wonder if in though. within. I wonder within five years if everything is going to be back to grass, or actually, and, and we're done with astroturf, and we're done with field turf. I certainly would like uh, to see that, but I mean, but the thing is, with field turf, it's 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 cheap to maintain. You don't have to do anything to it.
1: That's why it's very it's often used on what we're talking about, little league and the high schools, because uh, over the course of time it takes to pay for it, it pays for itself as opposed to try and keep up natural. But in the NFL, there's no reason, no reason why they that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, hey,
1: um, uh, as we wrap but, but, up, guys, go
2: ahead, I, I will go ahead. say just one last point: if it is sort of proven that. The field turf contributed to Aaron Rodgers' injury. This could be a, uh, a a a moment that we all remember when the conversation finally shifted to not if we need to make the change to field turf, but now is the time to make the change to field turf again. If that is um, if that is the case, and I, I don't think it is, but uh, but Justin, you made a great point. And you know that the NFL Players Association is going to use this as uh, as a uh, you know as leverage slash bargaining chip to uh, try to force all the owners to put in natural grass. And I love, frankly, I like watching games on natural grass better than field turf.
1: Yeah. Um. By the way, is it true that part of Aaron Rodgers' recovery following uh, his issues? with his uh, Achilles is to go to Bolivia and get in a pod and eat peyote.
7: See, Matt, I thought he was going to go into the locker room and Mr. Miyagi was going to be sitting there with those jars (laughs) and he was going to come right back out.
2: Yeah. Is he actually going to rely on medical science now?
1: I would hope he would. Uh, He needs to come down here and see Lee Mack or Andrews.
2: Okay, guys. Uh, hey, uh, by the way, I would not be surprised if the if the surgery is done down I mean, here in Birmingham. Me either. I mean, the,
1: we don't know but about 10% of the athletes that have come here and had surgery. I mean, we all know. Could about be. It, it, not, it might,
2: even be, uh, might even be my guy, Dr. Waldrop, who does the surgery. I would not be surprised. Norm Waldrop is, is the best.
1: Okay, as we wrap up. I forgot, and I had looked these up while I was looking up pros that coached and were very successful. The most successful ever was not really a great player. Phil Jackson. You know, he played on the championship teams with the Knicks. I think he was like the second off the bench or something like that. And here's another one. Joe Tory. Oh, yeah. He won four World Series. And by the way, what position did Torrey play? Catcher. Was a catch. All right. Okay. Entertaining show. Appreciate uh, all of you guys' contributions as always. Nick Kelly from Tuscaloosa News. Make sure and read him daily. Appreciate him being in here too. Guys, let's line it up in about 22 hours and do it all over again. Justin, you go with that? Sounds
7: good to me. All
1: right. We'll talk at you soon. Big bug bounce.